If you want to see real heartbreak, I hope that they have some security footage from the TSU press box because that was a demoralizing scene. Oh, yeah. It's locked on HBCU. Man, just play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast. Your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. I am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor, current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire, and I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day going on this journey with me. And remember, just because the mic cuts off, it's not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. Starts with an S, ends with an S. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise. I'm wearing them right now. Today's a somber scene. Today is a somber scene. This is true heartbreak. We'll wrap up with some more jovial news. Like, things get better. We'll talk about the D2 upsets over the D1 HBCUs. Break down each of the three. We have the top five rankings from the NCAA on the FCS HBCUs. But right now, man, you see I got this I got this paper towel. Got to dry my eyes a little bit. I think I'm good now. We should be able to be done. But if you want to see true heartbreak, you should have seen me and some of the other people who are at the Texas Southern Prairie View A&M game because that was a tough loss. That was, a t- that was the toughest loss. And I think I've watched every single one since I've been to college. Maybe missed one. I've watched them all, though, I think. That was the toughest loss that I've seen in the last seven years. It was, genuinely. And people, one person in the comments, no Labor Day classic video. Look, bro, don't, don't try to rub it in, though. Don't, don't do that. The game ended at midnight. People tweeting me at 1230. Oh, I know your heart broke it. Like, bro, what, what's that going to do? Yeah, I am heartbroken. Thank you for interacting with me, man. But that don't, you're hurting now. You're hurting me. I don't care if you was rooting with me. Let me, let me soak in peace. But you know what? We have a show to do. We have a show to do, and I'm not going to sit here and be miserable all day, but I'll tell you what, Texas Southern losing the Prairie View was true heartbreak. Laugh at me if you want to, but I'll tell you why. It's narrative in history. It's narrative in history. Those are the real reasons that it's heartbreaking. It's not just the fact that TSU lost the PV because that's happened before. It's more so the fact that it's happened before and it's continued to happen, even though it looked like TSU was on their way to a victory. So much so that the person next to me, I can't remember his name right now in the press box, but the person next to me started looking up when was the last time it happened. And I should have known. I typed it down in my notes. It hasn't happened since 2014. And I'm very superstitious writing on the wall. And I knew it when I wrote it down. I said, God just freaking made the comeback happen. It's my fault. People want to blame Andrew Body. I got to take some of that blame too because I believe in the jinx. And you know what? We'll get to Body. We will get to Body. I promise you. But as much as the history is something that bothers me, it's also the narrative. Because when we talk about Andrew Body, he did have three interceptions. But just like TSU is kind of, honestly, Andrew Body is kind of a, a one person representation of what TSU was that night. 
There was so much good in what Andrew Body did on Saturday night. I promise you. And if you didn't watch the game, it seems silly to say this because there's nothing on his stat sheet that shows up more than the three interceptions. And I will not take that away. That happened, and that was a big deal. But there was so much good that Andrew Body did last, or excuse me, Saturday night. It was just when he had the bad, the bad was really bad. And it led to a real shift in momentum. And that's kind of like TSU. There was so much good. If you really watch that game from the kickoff to the final overtime field goal, you would see that TSU has shown themselves to be a quality team, but you would probably walk away with the question, are they ready yet? And that's not being a homer. I, I, I feel like, and that's what I mean by narrative. I can't really come on here and speak on the things that they did really well. The reason I can't do that, well, I am going to do it because who's going to tell me not to. But the reason that I thought about not doing it is because I knew I would be accused of being a homer. But if you watch the game, if you watch the game, it wasn't flashes. It was a real period where you saw the Texas Southern that I and other people are hyped about. But when you see they gave up a 17-point lead and lost in overtime, didn't get a single yard in their overtime possession, then things get a little bit questionable. Then you sit there and say, are you sure they're that good? Yes, but I'm not sure that they're ready. I'm still going to sit here and believe in them because they showed me enough to substantiate my belief, but then they also showed me enough to question if this could be their year because I do believe that you have to know how to win. And if what I heard was true, and that's that, they were on the Instagram live interviewing players. That's that's one of the things that you can't do. That's one of the things that tells me you're not ready. That's one of the things that tells me you think you got this in the bag. You going against PV 17 points in the third quarter is not that much. Like, yeah, it's still a heartbreaking loss and it's still something that people will clown you about and all of those things. But in the real like game, like just thinking about it, 17 is not that much in the third quarter. They can come back from that. They did come back from that. So the fact that you are getting casual and having interviews, whoever was running the Instagram live should have never went on there. Right. Like. This is only going by what I saw in the comments from, you know, after the game, I wasn't looking at their Instagram live. I was watching the game. But if that is truly what happened. Yeah, that's a sign that you you weren't really ready. So I get into it and I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel if I feel like you're not ready, but I feel like you're a quality team. Where does that leave you? That leaves you as a team who has to figure it out throughout the season. It's not the end of the world. I came on here and said that I needed them to beat Prairie View so I could come out here and kind of substantiate my confidence. I don't think that's the case. Or maybe the way that they lost. You know, it, I think what it really was, it had allowed me to puff out my chest more. I can't do it, but the belief is still there. I still believe in them. I thought that the best aspect of their game was Quay Davis, A.J. Bennett, and Jiren Johnson, but specifically Quay Davis. Quay Davis is going to be an extremely valuable pickup for TSU from this offseason. He transferred over from Jackson State. And man, when I tell you this guy was a game changer, this guy was at times looked like the best player on the field. And him and Andrew Body had a great connection. You've seen A.J. Benny. He had two nice touchdown passes. Quay Davis had one of his own. Early in the game, it was the Jiren Johnson show. I really think that that trio of wide receivers, because they're not even calling Johnson a tight end anymore. They're calling him a wide receiver. I think that that trio of wide receivers is going to be really deadly. Like, I saw the connection that they had with body. This is going to be a good offense. I seen Ladarius Owens. He had a really good hole when it came to their 77-yard touchdown run. 
that was the best hole that I thought the offensive line opened all day. They had some other moments as well in the run game, and I thought they protected Andrew Body really well. Defensively, you give up 37 points, you would think it would be a pitiful performance, but there was a time when Trazon Conley looked kind of lost. If you ask, if you ask Coach Bubba, that's how he said he wasn't trusting himself. I thought that TSU's coverage was so good that there was nowhere to go, and it forced him to scramble. And that's actually how TSU got all three of their sacks. All three of their sacks came from coverage, uh, Conley scrambling out, and Jacob Williams to running. When I'm when running back, running back, linebacker. Excuse me. So basically, let me start over with the with the idea. So all three of the sacks came from really good coverage. Seemed like Conley had nowhere to go. He tried to scramble out. Jacob Williams, the linebacker, chased him down, and it was a sack. All three of the sacks were covered sacks, but that only lasted for a certain amount of time. And everything turned around. Everything turned around after those interceptions. And they were bad. Andrew Body had three interceptions on the day. Two were his fault. The first one wasn't, but this also was in the first half. In the grand scheme of things, nobody really cares. Nobody's speaking on that aspect of his game. Those who watched are talking about the last two interceptions. And those were bad. They were bad picks. There's just no way around it, right? Like, and, I, and I, I've spoken to the family like they've said stuff in the comments i've spoken to body's cousin and i like i told him i told i told body's cousin before i mean not before uh <clears throat> after the game i thought that second pick was really bad i know what i think i know what happened body tried to loft it up to a screen he didn't see the defender there and he was right there and it went right to him that's what happened but it doesn't excuse him just because i can understand what happened because you have to see that guy i don't know what happened on that third interception the second of the half I don't know what happened. It's it, it was just a bad pass. It looked like I thought it might have been a miscommunication with one wide receiver breaking in when I thought he was going to go deep. But the post was also there. I'm not sure, but it looked like after review that it probably was the post. And that was just a bad pass. And those two interceptions on back to back drives are what really shifted the momentum. You can't isolate it. to just him. And that's the reason they lost, because you could argue, OK, well, the defense should have done this. You could argue on the second to last drive of the game. The offense should have done this. What I would really argue, what I would really argue is that I felt like I didn't like the decision not to try to go for it. I asked Coach McKinney about it. He said that basically um, that was a long time to go in a short amount of or a long way to go in a short amount of time. And he didn't want to risk a turnover. I personally don't like that decision. I personally would have liked to have gone for it. Tried. They ran the ball. It, at worst, I would have liked to take a shot play on first down. Maybe you don't get it. And then you concede to overtime. But. I didn't like the idea of running the ball, hoping you pop off a big run play. And then, oh, we didn't. Let's go to OT. I, I, I didn't like that. I didn't, especially when all of the momentum was with PV. I think you needed something to get your offense going. And then you go into overtime, three straight incompletions, a couple of drop passes. Like, that's what happened. It, it is what it is, though. Like, you lost. There was so much good, but at the end of the day, none of that matters. None of that shines brighter than what happened at the end of the game. No matter how good body looked at moments, it doesn't shine brighter than those two interceptions at the end of the game. But no matter what the offense does, it doesn't shine brighter than not being able to score in the fourth quarter. No matter what the moments the defense had that I thought shined well and showed good coverage, you let up 17 points or no, excuse me, 20 points unanswered to end the game. All of those things are more paramount. They're something that's going to be a bigger priority in conversation is not people trying to be funny. That's the way that it should be. Especially if you didn't watch the game. That's what happened when you that's what happens when you lose a game like this. And this is true heartbreak. One last time, I dry my eyes, pat my eyes dry. 
but we'll move forward with something way more jovial. I'm in a better mood now. I done talked it out. We good. Therapy, right? Therapy with me and you. You and I are in therapy right now. So I appreciate you for listening. But as we go forward, we have the top five HBCU teams, really top six, because there's a six team in there that I really want to break down and talk about them between the uh, between the pick between them and the fifth team as we continue with Locked On HBCU. As we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked On HBCU, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and Bird Dogs are by far the most comfortable athletic garments out there. I don't care if you're talking about the shorts. I have those. I don't care if you're talking about the sweats. I have those. I personally love the sweats. Like, I'll tell you that. That's my personal favorite thing that I have from Bird Dogs because they're just so breathable. They're comfortable. They're sleek. Like, they have a very slim look. I remember my dad being like, man, I'm kind of tight. I said, man, I could do a split squat in these right now. I did the little Shawn Michaels move, you know, ugh, you know, when you lean to the side and the, and, the, and the pyrotechnics go off. They can move. They look sleek, but they're not tight. They're phenomenal to move in. I went out in the heat. They were breathable. These are the best sweats that I own. I'll be honest with you. And I hope that they send me more in more colors because these are the best sweats that I own. And I would love to pair other ones with other clothing. So it's a real easy decision for me. If I were you, I would go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And if you use the promo code locked on college, if you don't decide to add the slash after you get a free water bottle with your purchase. So you get good garments and a free water bottle. What is the holdup? I already told you what I did. Hit the Shawn Michaels with me. It's that simple now. Come on. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Remember, on Friday, we will be back with our uh, college football kickoff live. The Locked On Podcast Network is really leveling up and stepping up their, their covers this season. So this year, every single Friday from noon, or excuse me, I keep wanting to say noon, from 10 a.m. to noon Central Time, you have a kickoff live show breaking down everything going on in FBS. I'll come on with some of the FCS coverage because your boy is the only FCS host on the on the brand. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we'll expand it sometime. But right now it's just me, Dolo, holding it down for the HBCUs in the FCS landscape. But we'll see about that. That being said, we'll be there 10 to noon. Don't forget about us. But right now we have a FCS top five listing. And this is simple. We'll do this on a weekly basis. And I'm sure there'll be a little bit more change as the season goes on, right? Because you have Jackson State versus Southern this year. I mean, this week. So if the result of that, you could see Southern creep back in the top five. If Jackson State wins, you may see, depending on what happens with Morgan State and Bama State, you may see Jackson State creep up a little higher than five. But I'm spilling the beans like a bad chef now. Shout out my boy, Flawless Real Talk, Rhythm and Soul, Season 1, America, not the French one. Um, but you have one, North Carolina Central, who just knocked off Winston-Salem State. You have two, 
FAMU, who just knocked off Jackson State. Three, Alabama State, who knocked off Southern. You have four, Morgan State, who beat Richmond, and that was a big game. That was the win of the of the week, in my opinion. And you have five, Jackson State, and at six, you have, or excuse me, who lost to FAMU, and then at six, you have Howard, who lost to Eastern Michigan, an FBS team, and it was really competitive. It was only a 10-point loss. They came firing back towards the end of the game. So let's break these down. First off, one and two is simple. They were one and two last week. And even if they weren't one and two last week, we know that FAMU was going to be no lower than what, four? Like, let's just be realistic. How low was FAMU going to be coming into the season? They were going to be two. And even if you want to push it, three? Like, and that's for the people who just love Jackson State coming into the year. But realistically, they were going to be the second best team on the preseason rankings. When they beat Jackson State, they were going to stay the second best team. But if North Carolina Central doesn't lose, they're not coming off that number one spot. Not in week one. It looked real good against Winston-Salem State. So that's that's no surprise, right? So one and two, no-brainers. Then we get interesting. Then that's when we get to when things switch up. And you have Alabama State, who knocked off Southern. I thought that was a really good victory for them. We actually have Mason Smith coming on the show tomorrow to break that game down because he was there live. You also have Morgan State at four, who had the win of the week with Richmond. Now, the question could be, should Morgan State be ahead of Bama State? Because you could argue they had the better victory. And the reason that they aren't is because there was a big gap between the two in the preseason rankings. You know, like it was just a, it was you probably weren't going to elevate them over Alabama State. But Alabama State looked really good. Then you get the Jackson State and Howard. Five and six. And that's where things get really interesting. We'll double back to Bama State and Morgan State because we should. But Howard, Jackson State, that's where things really get interesting. Because JSU just lost to FAMU. They lost pretty bad to FAMU. They did. But Howard lost to Eastern Michigan. So now here, what it really comes down to is they're saying Jackson State beat South Carolina State, so they deserve to be top five. At least they have a win on their on their on their under their belt. Hard to argue with that. But the only reason I'm interested is because you look at PV versus Alcorn. And that was nine and 10 and PV won against TSU. Meanwhile, Alcorn lost to Southern Miss and Alcorn was credited for putting 14 points on the board against Southern Miss. Now it could be the fact that PV had to come back from behind. PV was down. Like it could be the way that PV won as well. I don't know, but I will say that they credited a competitive game against an FBS school, a little more than a victory against an FCS school when it came to lower in the rankings. So I'm just curious on why that same principle did not apply to Howard and Jackson State. Could be because Jackson State was dominant. They they said, we don't know which Jackson State is going to show up. Is it going to be the South Carolina State game? Is it going to be the FAMU game? Because those are two different teams. I think it's fair. I think having Jackson State at five is fair. I don't know how much we should credit Howard for being competitive against Eastern Michigan when it comes to ranking them above a team that has a victory. I... I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree, mostly because I agree in general, but I don't know if I agree because they set a precedent as well. And I feel like if you're going to set a precedent to move this way, you should kind of move this way consistently throughout the list. Um, excuse me. So that's a tough one. That's really the tough one, man. But I think that they got it right. I do think that they got it right. North Carolina Central family should be one and two. Bama State really did put themselves in contention. But really, to me, they just showed that their defense was really good again. I still have my own questions. And we talk about this tomorrow because I already recorded the uh, Mason Smith interview. But 
have my own questions. Like, I still need to see more from that offense. Then Morgan State, it's like, oh, you just knock off Richmond. And I thought somebody brought up a good point in the comments of yesterday's video. I looked at the comments right before I started recording today because we're already having a late start. They, they just put themselves in a conversation for FCS playoffs with this kind of victory. They're right. If they can, if they can have the season that Howard had last year, or the the MEAC season that Howard had last year, and maybe like the regular season, maybe they, they get like seven, eight wins, eight wins. They get eight wins and they knocked off Richmond. You might be seeing a, a, a FCS playoff run from from Morgan State. Like these are things that we have to think about. These are really good victories. And you're not going to win all of them, but you just knocked off a ranked opponent. So, yes, you deserve to be in the top five. I think those should be the four. North Carolina Central, fam, you wanted to for sure. Bama State, Morgan State, three and four for sure. It's just a matter of how you want to order those two. And then you have Jackson State at five, I believe is the right call. And then Howard at six. I think that's the right call. I got it. I can't put a team with a victory below a team without a victory. I'm sorry. Not that high in the rankings. So I'm rocking with it. I just wanted to point out a little difference in the in the in the criteria between five and six versus nine and ten. Cause I just I just thought that was a little bit interesting. But moving forward, you want to speak on something interesting. You want to speak on something interesting. D2 HBCUs ran the D1 HBCUs this weekend. There was four matchups. Only one got a victory, and that was North Carolina Central. We'll break down the other three as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and the NFL season is here. It's only two days away, Thursday. Like this, might, I, might, I might buy a cake just to celebrate. I might buy a cake just to celebrate and go to FanDuel and make myself some money. It's just that simple because if you're new to FanDuel and you put down $5, you'll get 200 bonus bet back. You'll get it all back to you no matter what happens. All you have to do is bet $5. If you've been here for a while, you ain't new to the game. I know you're tired. Mouth of the South, why only the new customers get something? Why I've been loyal to Fam, I mean FanDuel. Why don't I get something? Well, calm your nerves. We're going to go ahead and give you $100 off a Sunday ticket. The NFL season is here. This is going to be a great season. You're going to watch the Saints be better than a lot of people think they're going to be. I know you want to be able to watch that, but if you're not in the city, you need the Sunday ticket to do it. So go ahead and put $5 down on FanDuel, whatever you want to put some money down on, and then go ahead and reap the benefits of either $200 back in bonus bets or $100 off a Sunday ticket. Now you can get it on YouTube TV. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day, every day. Making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Sincerely, thank you. Thank you. We done went through a therapy session. We didn't discuss the true heartbreak and the things I had to go through. I know we're supposed to be impartial, but hey, we got our alma mater. We done broke down the top five and talked about the difference in criteria between the NCAA and how they did five and six versus nine and ten. We didn't had a packed show, and now we're ending it off with one of the coolest stories, and that's the fact that the D2 HBCUs really did run those D1 HBCUs. Like, it, it was bad. It was bad. Um, You have four matchups, four matchups, and the only one that came out victorious for the MEAC and the SWAC was North Carolina Central, and they knocked off Winston-Salem State. This just so happens to be the best team in black college football from last year. Not a shocker. Not a shocker at all, right? But everybody else, L, 
record was three and one for D2 HBCUs. Like, if I told you it was three and one, we would have looked at the one a little different. Because I feel like you're supposed to beat a lower competition team or a lower uh, subdivision team. I do. I know that it doesn't always happen. But if I'm on the D2 ranks, I'm, I'm expecting to win that game. I am. I don't care how good you are. Like, it, the, 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 the gap, like, I would have to be a pretty bad team in my conference, and you'd have to be one of the best. Like, if I'm a, a group of five school on the FBS level and I got to face North Dakota State, Okay, maybe I understand. But for the most part, it's very doable. Like, it's not like a difficult thing to do. Difficult is a weird way to put it. But it's a very doable thing. It's happened. It's not a rare thing to do. But if I'm on the D1 side, I'm I'm not letting that happen. I'm not. I'm taking a little pride in that. I can't let that happen for a pride factor. Well, I guess Norfolk State, Delaware State, Mississippi Valley State. They got pride. They got to swallow that pride today. And I want to break each one of these games one by one down, right? So you have Virginia State versus Norfolk State. And this is the funny one to me. Each one has something special. Like you have the funny one. You have the, the biggest disappointment or the disappointing one, I should say. Uh, and then you have the special one. Like those are three different things. But this is the funny one to me. But this one that kind of makes me laugh because Virginia State head coach Henry Frazier III said this isn't a rivalry. This isn't a rivalry. And he kind of it, it kind of felt like he accepted defeat when talking about it. He said, Man, I look at it from outside. I'm like, this ain't no rivalry. This is a D2 team versus a D1 team. There's nothing, nothing rivalry about that at all. And it's just like, okay, cool. I got you. I was I was with him. Like, I don't think D1 versus D2 is really a rivalry. Like, it's just kind of weird to me. It doesn't feel like an even playing field. So it's kind of odd for me to call that a rivalry in most times. It's just my perspective from, from it. So he was like, yeah, this Norfolk State, Virginia State game doesn't feel like a robbery. They have these type of competitive advantage over us. Okay. And then Virginia State comes out and wins. It kind of felt like he was like, yeah, bro, like they are just a bigger school. They're going to be better than us. They're going to beat us more times than not. I don't want to do this. He even said, like, I don't want to. That's not something I want to be a part of. If they're never a part of it or they're not a part of it again in the near future, they're going to end off with a victory. And I just think it's funny that you come up with a victory after that. People have concerns about Norfolk State. This is not going to help. It just isn't. Like, losing this game is not going to help people's perception of, of Norfolk State. Luckily for them, luckily for everybody, perception means too, you know what, like it don't matter at all. But it is something to uh, discuss. Um, that being said, I want to move on to Central State versus Mississippi Valley State. Because that's the disappointing one. And it's not that I expected Mississippi Valley State to be great. I didn't. You know, like they're not really a... They're not really a team that I think about a lot, to be honest with you. They're not a team that goes through my mind a lot. But when I do see them, and I had Aaron Webb on the show, when I see them, it's this valley emotion. People discussing it. Like, I've, I've never had the same perspective on Mississippi Valley State that everybody else has. I never have. Um, like, and I mean from being a, once I got into the business, I was a student just what? I got in this business in 2021. I think I think I started this podcast in 2021. That's crazy. No. Yeah, that's crazy. 2021. That's nuts. I can't believe I've been in here since 2021. I've been doing this podcast since November of 2021. Wow. Wow. That was a year and a half after I got out of college. That's crazy to me. 
thank you for this. Oh, uh, that's crazy. Anyway, I was trying. The reason it was important is because I was trying to say I was trying to see how long between being a student and this. So there was only like the pandemic year for real between me graduating and then me coming on here. So when I heard how people spoke about uh, North Carolina, called Mississippi Valley, Mississippi Valley, it was something that was so confusing to me because as a student, specifically a student at TSU, we didn't view Valley that way. This scrappy team, this team that they're always going to fight. We didn't view them that way. And then when you see the new era and you see all the hype around Mississippi Valley State, it's like, okay, they hyping them up. And then you go and you lose to a D2 team. That's rough. That's rough. That's not how you're supposed to start. That's not the hype train. People starting to believe. They trying to get the valley in motion. The motion has been halted. I'll be honest with you. The motion has been halted. And it's like, now you have to recover. Now you have to come back from it. The hype isn't always enough to get you by. It isn't. It feels good. They did that at TSU. It felt good. I remember it. The sauce you. Oh, I remember that. We lost every single game that year. Now, I hope that doesn't happen to Mississippi Valley State, but they have to now substantiate the hype. And people are going to be questioning the hype now. So you have to come in. You have to back it up. This wasn't the way you want to do it. Simple and plain. Like, that's, that's, that's it's simple. And then lastly, you have Bowie State versus Delaware State. And this is a special one because it's Kyle Jackson's first win over an FCS team. Right? Like, like Bowie State is used to being a quality squad. They're used to being really good. Um. That's no, they're no stranger to that. But at the same time, this is a new head coach. This is a new regime. Damon Wilson's out there in Morgan State knocking off the number 16 team in the nation. Right, so you have, yeah, there you go. Damon Wilson out here knocking off a nationally ranked team. Meanwhile, Kyle Jackson is getting his first victory over an FCS team as a D2 squad. This is impressive. This is important. This is something that makes you feel like, okay, year two could be different. Maybe Bowie State is somebody to reckon with in the CIAA this year. Who knows? We will see. But week one is, that's the thing about week one. And I'll end it off with this little, you know, kind of synopsis about week one. Because that victory is nothing to sneeze at. The thing about week one is it always sets the tone. And we have all offseason long, from December until now, really heats up around spring practice time. And really in the summer, because now we're talking about real games. We have all of this offseason to hype up a team and say what we think they could be and what our expectation. And then week one comes out and sets the tone. And that's kind of been a consistent thing through every single segment. TSU had all the hype. And then they set the tone that they might not be able to finish. And naturally, as people in the media, we're going to have these overreactions. They didn't finish doesn't mean they aren't finishers. But that's all we've seen. So we might say they aren't finishers. You look at segment two. When you have the top five, you have Bama State, who was at number three, because they came in and had a dominant defensive performance. They did. And they confirmed what many people believe, that they had a great defense. And now they've risen to the number three team in the HBCU landscape. They cemented what we already believed. Damon or D. Davis played a efficient game, did what Coach Rob wanted him to do. Then you look at this game, or these games here, Bowie State sets the tone for their season. Mississippi Valley State has the hype that they had coming into the season a little bit questionable now. 
You look at Virginia State versus Norfolk State, that's more so I just found that funny because of the narrative around it. I don't know how good that Norfolk State's going to be anyway, but now we're questioning it because week one, they did not set the tone. They didn't, simple and plain. So this episode was all about heartbreak and setting the tone. And I appreciate you for being here through every single part of it, every single aspect. Thank you so much. On tomorrow's episode, we have Mason Smith here to break down the Alabama State versus Southern game because he was live. And one could argue that was the second or third most important HBCU game of last weekend. So I wanted to firsthand report on exactly what happened. But I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.